are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm well. Happy New Year, everyone out there. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, so listen, I'm just going to dive right in. This is how I wanted to start the show today. Okay. (laughs) And you don't know, we didn't talk about this. I was really hoping about halfway through the week. Okay. I was like, man, I'm going to get to come on the show. We're going to get to talk about a team that's rolling, won a bunch of games. Here we go. We're in a playoff spot because the Flyers were for a minute technically in a playoff spot on tiebreakers. I'll take it. <laughs> eh, and I then they ever, about 12 they... seconds into Saturday night's game, Victor Arvidsson went. <laughs> <laughs> just, just dropped his drawers and dumped a big old deuce on it 12 <laughs> seconds into the game. As the seven game point streak snapped, but you know. We do have some stuff to talk about before we get into Saturday night's game, including game six and seven of the streak. So, uh, is that where you want to start? You want to start on uh, Wednesday night or Tuesday night? Wednesday night or Wednesday? Yeah, night. You got it. Right. Every, you know what? No, here because here's the thing. Everybody thought it was Wednesday night or Tuesday night because that's when everything came back. Like, right? The Flyers we, didn't play on the first night back. Well, and, and the thing was is that everything. Like, I, I almost feel like I need to explain the way that my Tuesday went, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. Okay. When when everybody woke up in the morning and thought there was a game that night, and if, if you were in the Philly area and maybe had tickets to said game or whatever, that you were going to be competing with Eagles traffic that night because the Eagles game was postponed and all that crazy stuff. And I actually had, I got up that morning, I didn't have like the heftiest work day in front of me or anything like that so i had time one of the things i had time to do was uh 97.3 at christmas time does a state of the team thing and, and we pre-record it so that okay. was the gap and i was set to go i forget what time exactly we were supposed to start but it got pushed back a couple minutes so i was looking at like 11 11 15 something like that and by the time i was done recording and literally trying to talk my way through hypotheticals if you will because we already knew that Thursday was off by that point right I'm talking myself through hypotheticals I'm saying things like five game point streak when I don't know if that's going to be true because there is technically a game that night and it's against a team like the Washington Capitals so good luck there's all sorts of uncertainty for sure right and all that and by the time that I I literally was getting off the call and Right before I got off, because I'm doing it with the main host, Mike Gill, and I basically turned around and I even said, because he said something about, he actually asked to confirm 7 o'clock caps, right? And I turned and said, actually, don't, you know, stand by. Maybe. I'm being, like, I'm reading that th- that it might be off right now. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm drafting a story as, like, starting to draft, a, I'm getting off and drafting a story. As we speak, right. Pretty much, exactly. And before I could even get the draft finished, it was over. Like no. I, I saw I forget who it was from the cap side who tweeted something, but basically said John Carlson just came out in the street clothes and said, we're going home. Oof. And and said it to like five people still on the ice for Washington, right. like, hey, get off the ice. We're done. Hey, it's, a, it's go over. home for Christmas. Right. Which, hey, I'll take it because then I spent from the rest of Tuesday on I had half of a preview completed because I didn't know anything yet about Washington's lineup or anything like that. And 
I got to take what what's that at that point? Three and a half days off before Christmas hit, and then a couple more after the fact because there wasn't much of a practice on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday were pretty limited type stuff too. And then even even when the game like the, the hard part of these late games is not when they start, it's it's when they end. The the lead up is actually not that bad to me. Right. Well, and in case you missed it, by the way, uh, the NHL ended up pausing their activities uh, mm-hmm. from uh, December 21st through December 27th uh, due to the COVID outbreak. Uh, something like 70, 80, 90 games uh, were postponed. I think we're up to 90 now. Um, it's, it's a little skewed because of the fact that there was five previous already. So in the right. grand scheme of what's happening right now, I think it's something like 85. Right. But either way, just a large number of games ended up having to get moved. And, and I believe that it, at, at its peak, because it's, it's really come down lately, but at its peak, there was something like 130, 140 players in protocol at one time. And even though the numbers are coming down, it seems like two or three guys are still getting added to the list every day. You know, guys are coming off the list faster than they're going on for it's, sure. Yeah, it's 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 the ratio, but and it's, it's and definitely it's, and not it's, over. And it's well, and it's the change too. It's the change from basically at the beginning of all of this, it was you were on for ten days, and that was the end of that. And now there's some flexibility you can test out. It's become like every other sport, right? Because let's this way: in the Flyers' case, they've played the entire road trip to this point. With a, without a lot of people, but specifically no Carter Hart, no Scott Lawton, no Derek Broussard, who was possible for the previous Thursday in Pittsburgh. And those Everybody three guys, was, by the way, might join the team or will be they, joining the team they for will Tuesday be. in Anaheim. Exactly. And and it's cool to actually hear the wording be they tested out of it, which means good. Yep. Great. They I mean, don't have it right, right now. Well, it, well, in, in, in Hart's situation, it's just crazy because Hart was ill too ill to play on the Saturday before, which ended up being the last game prior to this pause. But they and, specifically said not COVID for that. Well, not only was it that, not only did they say that the next, I don't know if it was the next day, they might've had off on the Sunday, but on Monday when practice resumed before the Washington game, he was on the ice. Then he was on the ice ahead of the game against Washington. That was still on until noon that day. So he was going to play, I think. Yep. So everything was lined up that he was going to go and be ready. And then that quickly, there was no game that night. And now what do you do? So you like, and then that, and then that quickly, they come back from this break and you're just kind of sitting there holding your breath at that point. Cause you're going, who's going to be added? Who's not? It's pretty inevitable. Somebody like you just told everybody as much as you could sit there and say, listen, everybody stopped practicing and going to team facilities and all that stuff for five days. Nobody said, don't, don't spend the holiday with your family. So right. there, that risk was always there. And it was, to be honest, it wasn't as bad as it probably could have been That's because, true. well, because I guess in the grand scheme of things too, when you double up on it's guys who were injured, who also can't like test that they can't rehab, if you will, I right. guess is what it is. So like when Ryan Ellis goes on the list, or even when Broussard goes on the list, because Broussard just got an extra week to be ready. Like, I don't see how that hurts. Right. You know, or whatever. Or or even a guy like, take a guy like Kevin Hayes, who was on the list, but never missed a game. Like, went on the list ahead of that Tuesday game, was not going to play. Game got called off anyway. And, and he, by the time they were back ready to play again, he was off the list. Right. Good, good for you. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and don't scored. get me wrong. I mean. He, he, did sc- he scored last night, right? 
He did last night. So yeah. there you go. He picked up a goal. <laughs> yeah, that was. A, I mean, and here's the thing: like, good goal at the time was a gutsy play. I'll we'll get into that more when we get to the specific game. Yeah, but it didn't do anything to the end result there at all. So right, you know, eh. Well, and I I do also want to mention that we are recording this on Sunday, January second, and I we haven't. You, there's no news. Well, we haven't seen the results from guys who might have gone out for New Year's Eve, let's say. So we're not necessarily out of the woods in terms of uh, testing. Um, for them, it's going to be nobody from that because oh. they were no. Because on the road, you're you've been told don't go anywhere. No, I I know for the Flyers, I just mean it kind of across the league. Um, I'd be curious. You know, we're not necessarily out of the woods in terms of uh getting over the holidays. I think there was a. But I think there was a care to it because let's put it this way. Look, true. Nothing's going to really show up when you have a game on New Year's Day from New. Although those players wouldn't have done anything crazy if they got a game on New Year's Day. Like there is there's no way. And it like like one of the things for me that I thought was really and I'm going to touch on this game again uh, a little bit later on when we talk about the other Flyers games, too, yeah. from a stylistic standpoint anyway. But it almost feels wrong to call it this, but it was. I don't even know if this is the right way to call it. The Winter Classic was on at 7 o'clock on New Year's Day, and it's, I don't know, was it like the perfect appetizer to lead into the Flyers, or is it the main course, and then the Flyers are the dessert after the whole thing, or how do you, however you want to look at it. The Flyers were not dessert the way they played last night, but that's okay. Well, and that, see, that's why I didn't want to call the Winter Classic the appetizer either, because it sounds like you're waiting for something bigger and bigger and better. Th- that's the big event of the day, and it was done really. It looked like it was done really well. It looked and cool. It looked cold. It was cold. Uh-huh. I'm sure. I saw that temperature keep flashing up on the screen, but you heard that they had to heat the ice. Yeah, to yeah, keep but it that's... from freezing up during the resurfacing process. <laughs> Yeah, but th- that's not as bad as like the water bottles freezing up and needing like needing to have a literally basically like one that was made into a thermos so that Jordan Bennington could drink chicken broth during the game. Yep. And what was the other one? Oh, and seeing pictures of like guys' beards are freezing over. Yeah, that was wild. Like, that and that crazy. was in warm ups. Yeah. They skated around for ten or fifteen minutes in warm ups, and they got that frosty. It was crazy. Right. So I, that's why I don't want to call it like an appetizer because it was much. I mean, the game was kind of look, the game was kind of a dud in the grand scheme of things because it was a blowout in the second period. But it was nonetheless, it it's those games are entertaining. Like, yeah, like, let's say this way. Did we did we not watch the, the Lake Tahoe game and go, look, the, look, look at what the roster looks like. This is not a surprise result, but the setting was kind of cool. So yeah. stick with it. Man, just the just be, roster just, that played in that Lake Tahoe game. Oof. Well, stuff like that is why I can't I can't really sympathize for any team that comes out with the the eleven forward, five defenseman thing or whatever. Like, I'm not saying it makes it right, but you already set the precedent a year ago, and that was when it wasn't even that much of like it. It still wasn't even that much of a thing as it is now. Like, right. to an extent, you know what I mean? Like, there weren't that many players in protocol last year as compared to this year right. to say who cares you have a shortened roster like we're seeing it now even more than we did then and back then it was just get your miners up and deal with it and trudge forward that's what your taxi squad's for right and 
which is which is also why they brought those back, which yep. is a good which little a fantastic little then, move. And then the I NHL. think the other yep. before we get off of this topic and actually get into the games, I think the other piece that we have to talk about is that little uh, second portion beyond the pause portion of this banner because this is what this was. Yep. This is what this was for. We it was it was labeled as a blank slate to have an opportunity that if something like this happened, exactly like this happened, it was going to be over and they weren't going to send players over to the Olympics and they were going to make up the games. I believe the phrase in the CBA was uh, material damage to the schedule. And yep. once they announced the uh, pause right before Christmas, the NHL had the ammunition they needed to say, well, there's been material damage to the schedule. We're pulling the plug on it. And, and I and think they announced it as a joint, you know, a joint agreement or whatever. But I, they did. Not everybody was thrilled with it, obviously. The NHL pulled the plug on it. Like, well, it, I, I don't know that the Players Association itself didn't agree. It's there's certain players within who strongly disagreed with the decision in terms of I should be allowed to do whatever I want. I'll forfeit the pay. I'll put my team at risk. I don't care. I want to go. There's a non-zero and, chance Alexander Ovechkin hops on the plane, hops on a plane, and deals with the consequences later. I don't. I don't know. Like everybody, th- it's funny. I know everybody thinks that Brad Marchand was the one who came out and said it. He was very vocal put it out, and put it out yeah. there. But I don't look. I don't. I don't doubt that Ovechkin's thinking it. But I also don't think that Ovechkin's going to look at what the league decided to do and look at. You know, where where is their team right now? They're in the top five. You know, do you look at a team in the top five of the standings and say, you know what, I'm, I got to keep going for it? I mean, let's just what the guy also just set the NHL record for power play goals and gold medal. I know. You know, yeah, but gold you know medal. What? as much as I don't disagree with you, it's like in four, no, in four years. I mean, he'll play in he'll play in twenty twenty six for sure. He could retire from the NHL in two years and still decide I'm going to the Olympics. As a matter of fact, that might almost be that might be his plan. Uh, well, see, the problem is he just signed that five year contract. I don't know. No, I know. I'm I'm saying he could have a reason to retire in two years, halfway through that contract, and still at his age say I'm going to the Olympics. And if he retires with 840 goals or something like that, oh, there's it's no, no, be no, 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 it's not going to happen. The only way it's going to happen is, and he, let's just wait. If if he has to retire prior to setting that record, because it's going to happen. What if it comes down to what do you want to do? Do you want to set the record or do you want to play in the Olympics? He won't face that problem. No, okay. you think he beats it before that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, I agree. Especially the guy, way he's playing this year. I was say, the guy's not on a fifty goal pace this year for nothing. No. Like he's essentially already, based on the way he's playing right now, and at what 35, 36, he's tell he's essentially already making a statement that you 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 all thought that all he needed to do was average thirty a year to break the record in his five year contract, and he's sitting here going, "Screw that! I'm going to average fifty a year." My favorite thing about Alexander Ovechkin, especially watching him age, is that at least once a year, he scores a goal, and they show the ISO cam footage of him afterward, and he stood still for like 15 seconds before the goal, and all he did was just, he calls for it, he calls for it, he's just standing still, he's not striding, he's not going anywhere, he's certainly not thinking anything about defense, what? and then they pass to him, and boom, it's in, and, and it's over. 
Go. Here's the here's here's at the at least truth. once like, a year. Okay, at least once a year it happens. Sure, yeah. but there's but he actually over the last like two or three years has become a better defensive player. I agree. More dedicated to it at least. And and can but you, you blame, know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah, but can you also blame the guy who has what was the number two hundred and seventy? The best goal scorer in NHL history. Well, he's he's the best power play goal scorer in NHL history now for sure. Yep. He set that record. Past Dave Anderchuk. I mean, what's his total at? He's at what seven fifty four now? Something like that. He's getting up there. Um. So before we get off the COVID thing, one more thing I did want to mention while we're talking about uh, hockey being canceled is the World Juniors actually. Uh, oh, yeah, were yeah, canceled yeah. mid tournament, which is strange. Um, there's a okay. There's a there's lot, a lot of, going on there. There's a lot of issues with that. So first of all, the World Juniors was managed as poorly as it gets because of the fact that they literally allowed they, did, we, they didn't isolate the players. You have here's what I don't get. Okay, there's absolutely zero reason, even in COVID time, that a ten day tournament. Literally, that's all it is. Yes, there's prelims, but realistically, the bulk of the tournament was December 26th to January 5th. It is 10 days. Right. There's no reason why you should not be able to make 10-day accommodations that ensure that nothing's going to happen. Isolation. Which means, which means you rent the entire hotel. You get a bubble. And like you, you bubble did. them. Remember last year when COVID was far more deadly than it is right now? Still bad right now. Cases rising. We all know that. Yeah, well, you're talking about like, you're talking about is December 2020, January 2021 when they said go into a bubble. There's no fans here. Play your tournament, and, and it they worked made it through with no problems. Perfectly, perfectly. Zero cases last year. I think there were like one or two people who tested positive coming in, and they were isolated, and it wasn't a problem. Exactly. I, I to to the point where there was actually a story out there that there was a wedding going on in the same hotel the night that they actually. How does that happen? Them. I don't know how <sighs> it is either ignorance or ne- it, it, ignorance or negligence. It's one or the other. Well, uh, probably both. And probably a healthy, hearty, hearty helping of both from Hockey Canada. Well, here and here's that the, it was not Hockey Canada. It's, the, IH, it's the, IIHF. the IIHF. OK, well, Which, I didn't know how much Hockey Canada had to do with the accommodations because they were the host country. Well, and, and listen, here's here's the thing with that. It's par for the course when. Probably for what the twenty-four to forty-eight hours leading up to it, th- that tournament was underway. There were a few games being played. Okay, great. They canceled out what five or six other tournaments, which included things like the Women's Worlds and stuff yep. like like for the second year in a row with no plans to reschedule stuff like like they so missed the mark on so many things like that that. I almost wasn't sympathetic to the fact, like, I'm sympathetic to the players who were 18 years old or whatever, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Hell, we had 16-year-olds yep. playing in this tournament and and doing really well. You know, Connor Bedard, anybody? Uh, four, a four-goal game as a 16-year-old. Is that good? And then he came back. Did you catch this? He came back to his junior team and had a four-goal game in his return. That's funny. Like, ridiculous. But and that's that's the cool stuff to see. Why do people watch the World Juniors? It's for the players because they're they're teenagers. It's the joy that they have playing in that tournament and representing their country at that age. So I feel bad for them because absolutely because I feel bad for like and here's the other part of it. I feel bad for like Team Canada, for example, who to that point, no problems. They weren't they weren't missing players. Right. But five other teams in the tournament were and you only had 10 there. That's an issue. 
you know, you can't you can't go around and have Team USA had to forfeit, and then I think Russia had to forfeit, and Czechia had to forfeit. It's Czechia now, by the way. Yes, I didn't, did you catch that? I did. Okay, so they had to forfeit. Like you can't keep having these one nothing forfeits. Like somebody turned around even and said, and correctly, I I may add, if they do reschedule and say let's try to do this in June or July, let's say, then you should wipe those one nothing forfeits. Keep the, you can keep the other results to that point for games that were yes actually physically played, but wipe the one nothing forfeits and play those yeah. games too. Yep, you have to basically pick back up from where your schedule stopped, and play those games, please. Like, let's put it this way: there was talk that the U.S. had a good enough team to win gold again, it but they was were going to be, but they were going to be robbed, but they were going to be robbed of that as soon as they had a case. Yep, because it was going to be a really good tournament. The quality was expected to be spectacular. But I almost didn't like as sympathetic as sympathetic as I am for the players. I almost wasn't sympathetic for the IIHF for oh absolutely not for the way that they handled every other tournament. Like basically because those tournaments don't make as much money. To yeah. like that the that the World Juniors and I guess the Men's World Championships are the two that make enough money to allow the others to function. So they basically it's show must go on whether it's right or wrong, and like kind of kind of a karma moment if you will because they tried to power through your awful planning of a hotel and non-bubble situation led to this so i i like how the iihf handles things on the ice in terms of their officiating in terms of how they handle head hits i generally speaking in terms of the on ice product i think the iihf great does a good job off the ice it's a sports league. Think about it. Name a sports league that isn't just mangled beyond belief, right? Look at FIFA. Look at F1. Look at <laughs> the NFL. Look at, like, everybody. So, it is what it is. Exactly. I mean, it was just, but it, it really was just another, like, reading that the tournament was getting canceled and the way you feel for the players, it was just another, it was basically... At the time that it happened, because you got through, I don't know how many days, what they do, three days. So it was like 28th, 29th that this came down. It was like one last, one last COVID blow in 2021 before, you know, 2022 comes out and, oh. you know, and you see where it goes. I mean, speaking of one last I, blow from 2021, rest well, in peace, and, Betty and, White, gotta mention it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, of, of all days, you know. <sighs> You're twelve. You're twelve hours away from New Year's. Two and a half weeks shy of her hundredth birthday. I know. Brutal. But that's but that, like it was. It's almost a stark reminder that by having that tournament off with three days to go in in the year, like we're not going to start twenty twenty two off out of this situation. Nope. It might get it. It might get there eventually. It's gonna some eventually. It, it'll level at least level out again. You got Hopefully. to imagine we've we've well it, because it ha- it just has in the past. I mean, this right. is how many t- we've done this because we've done this long enough before. that we have data points before. Right, we have reference points. Well, and and there's an there's certainly enough. I'm not going to make this. I don't want to make this a whole thing about this. Definitely we have, not game, doing we have that. games. Yep. No, we have games to talk about, but like, but the bottom line is, is that you don't just flip the calendar over to January and act like the way that the last two weeks of December went didn't exist. That's like, fair. It's going to start this way. The best, like, let's this way. In the Flyers' case, we said it already. The best news that you could get was that three of your players who were in protocol as soon as the break was up 
are coming out of protocol. They're out, actually they are out of protocol. They're just not with the team yet, and they will be by tomorrow. Yep. And there you go. Well, you know what? It's like it's you probably probably why they have an off day today by the way was is, is so while they make the travel because they're not going that far la to anaheim is not that far it's kind of annoying that the anaheim game isn't until tuesday by the way i would have liked to see it on like monday so they could have the extra day to travel and not just sit in california for an extra day before they come home but whatever that's just me well you mean before having to play at home two nights later at home against pittsburgh right right off the bat come I, home from a camp from california right Hopefully shake off, you know, the, the time zone travel and get ready to play one of the teams. It's now Pittsburgh's not ranked in the top 10 by any means, but they're like right there. I mean, and they've has Sid played yet this year. Uh, I thought he did. I, he hasn't played much. Well, if they he, haven't he, played much as, as a team. That's fair. But well, regardless, we're talking about how 2021 ended. Uh, let's talk about how the Flyers ended 2021. And uh, they ended that with two games back-to-back nights, starting with a win in Seattle. So, uh, Kevin, what do you think of Seattle's new building? Uh, that was pretty cool, all things considered. The, the scoreboard throws me a little bit. Uh, the scoreboards? Well, right, because it's two. <laughs> it's like split. Yeah, it's it's very it's strange. Unique. It's unique, but... the. But they had a good they had a good atmosphere. I'll give them that. Like yeah. it's, it, I I don't think anything was going to be Vegas. Let's be fair. I mean Vegas is like the the entertainment capital. Well, and they're the also just not as good on the ice as Vegas, and that does matter in terms. I of wasn't worried. About, I'm not worried about the product they have on the ice because eventually it could get there. Obviously, everybody can For eventually sure. get there. It's but like in terms of like at what what really was was it about Vegas though? It wasn't just that the team did well. It was they got to the playoffs and everything was a gigantic spectacle that looked like that looked like they spent twenty four hours the entire twenty four hours prior just sitting in a room trying to figure out how to execute this plan. Everything that night did was gold. Yeah, it was comedy. He sliced a jet in half. Come on now. Well, the, the night on the ice, the yeah. drum, li- the drum line that was up in the fortress, like all oh, that's like they played it up so well. It was done so well. It's... And I expect, you know, and again, this leads back to the on ice product because I expect when Seattle makes the playoffs to have something going on, right? You have Jerry Bruckheimer running things. You know, oh, the yeah, man knows gonna... the man knows drama. Well, you're going to get a little bit of time for that because it's not going to be this year. Well, that's what I'm saying is is you had that Vegas lightning in a bottle first season, make the playoffs, make the cup final. Like, you know, that team was good off the bat. They didn't just squeak into the playoffs either. It, they were it, good. It is really funny to me, though, that it's that basically outside of the roster, everything they've got is good. The arena looks pretty nice. The atmosphere was good. They've got sick uniforms. And Dave Haxtall finally shaved that goatee. <laughs> Because that was horrifying. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, I'm still not refer like I'm still not even looking at that right now. Though, like, like he counts as the as the group that's out no, there, kind of. But like, they got all that going for them. They do, they do have people buying in. Like, they can definitely sell tickets. It's not like they're going to have a problem doing that in the beginning. It's new. It's exciting. It's different. You know, people want to see it. In the first year of your franchise, you kind of have that 
time period where you can kind of allow people to adjust to the because you get a honeymoon period well, for sure where the, the fans of the market are excited there's also enough people out there and it's not this isn't a knock it's just a reality who don't know the game well enough to know that this is not great seattle is learning hockey still right you're almost learning on the fly so you're you're you get almost like a it's almost like your first season is an extended preseason to an extent from a fan standpoint because you get to be educated on it before you even get into the main part of it. Like, and I do want to mention, by the way, that there is a very active hockey community in Seattle who does know hockey very well. We're certainly oh, not yeah. implying here that Seattle as a whole doesn't know hockey. We do know that the, the Seattle Thunderbirds are out there. Um, oh, see, well, Seattle, Everett. Um, or, yeah. and, and a lot of Seattle people are Vancouver Canuck fans right? because it's not that far. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious how deep the roots are in the seattle area in terms of vancouver fandom i'm curious how many of of those people jump ship speaking of which really quick did you see that story about the uh the seattle vancouver story about the fan who pointed out that that's awesome stuff like it's what makes that is the stuff that makes the hockey community so great yeah i'm gonna pull that up because that is actually a great story um kraken fan uh nadia popovici i'm probably pronouncing that wrong i apologize uh, attended a game uh, between Seattle and the Canucks. It was, their, it was literally their first home game, I think. Seattle's oh, it, first home was game. Was that their first home game? I believe, yeah. Okay. And she was sitting behind the bench and noticed that one of the... Was it... It was an assistant assi- equi- equipment, equipment manager. No, it was... Yeah. One of the assistant equipment managers had a mole on his neck, and she is... For, Van- for Vancouver. Right. And she is a nurse, right? I believe she works in the medical field in some capacity student she's like a med student student. i'm sorry like 22 or something like that 22 23 something like that and she noticed this mole on his neck and thought it looked suspect dangerous questionable whatever you want to call it and somehow or other alerted this person she she typed it out on her phone on a note like, hey, right. go get the mole on your neck looked at and then held it against the glass and started banging on the glass until he looked at it. Right. And then he read it and he went and got it checked out and it was cancerous and has been removed. And he, he sent out an amazing um, well, statement amazing from, the Canuck, statement. from the Canucks. Yeah, just to try to find who it was. Trying to find her. And I assume that they're going to do something about it. I assume oh, that... Oh, it's already been done. Oh, has this it? Okay. Okay, so yesterday... The new year kicked off with uh, the same two teams playing in Seattle, I believe. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. So the same two teams are meeting. Again, and that's not all that unusual. They're in the same division, right. blah, blah, blah. Like, it makes sense. Sure. They track this. They track her down. Mm-hmm. Get her Get her behind like behind the scenes prior to the game. Of course. To, to meet with the assistant equipment manager. She's in the same seats. As before. Awesome. So she's sitting near the bench anyway. And then the two teams, Vancouver and Seattle, combined to put up $10,000 for a scholarship oh, for her. Oh, that's awesome. It, that is like, absolutely doesn't, fantastic. Doesn't any, but like, that's, that's, the, that's the story that the new year needs. Uh, you're not Keeping wrong. it off on a good note. Forget, and, every, forget everything else. Just look at that story. And all of that leads us to... Seattle playing the Flyers a couple of nights prior. <laughs> Roundabout way of getting there, but we're here. Hey, you know what? We're there. And I know Seattle's not a great team. The Flyers looked okay in that game. It was a little rough to be honest. I mean, here here's where I'm at, here's where I'm at with this. Um 
it was the first game out of an 11 day break for both. So if the first period wasn't great, I get it. Fair enough. Not a whole lot of practice time in they there either. Were, they were getting outplayed in parts of like the second period. It was rough. Yep. And even into the third, still getting outplayed a little bit. Eventually, I mean, there were five and a half minutes left in that game. And for all, I mean, it was all of 15 seconds, but for 15 seconds, I'm pretty sure everybody thought they were going to lose that game. Oh, I did. I looked at that game, and I'm not not saying that they were going to win or lose for sure, but like as it progressed on, I'm like, this this has overtime game winner written all over it because of the fact that as soon as they get to three on three, they'll find a way to pick this team apart somehow at at one point or another in it, and and win off of that. But it's only going to be because of three on three. It is not going to be anything else other than listen. It got to three on three. There's more ice. Things happen. Odd man rush, game winner. One thing I noticed this weekend, I don't remember if he started uh, the overtime in Seattle, but he did, I believe he started the overtime uh, the next night in San Jose. Why is Patrick Brown on the ice in the three-on-three? Okay, I'm going to take, I got to take this back further because he was on the ice for part of the overtime against Ottawa too, I believe. Okay. For the yeah. yeah. And your initial thought, either, not, either it was Ottawa or it was the Montreal one. Is it a power play specialist? Or not a a face-off specialist? Well, that's what I thought until he stayed on the ice longer than that for the next one, too. Like, like he took the face-off. Okay, fine. They they had actually won the face-off, and he was still on the ice half the back. Like, if you win the face-off, get control, and he gets right off the ice, I totally get it. Right. thousand percent. If Travis Konechny jumps on the ice for him, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's like, okay, cool. It doesn't even have to be Konechny for for that I'm just throwing a name out there. You know know what I I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, look, they are they are really shorthanded. I will say, like, I get that. And I like a lot of the things Mike Yo's doing. He called a fantastic timeout last night. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to the Kings. I definitely want to talk about that decision too, but because well, because it was the best thing that happened in the game for them. I I want to talk about that for sure. I I I love that topic. Um, But yeah, back to Wednesday night. I I don't. I just don't understand. Like yeah, it, I even if you need a center out there, it, Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes are routinely towards the top of the league in terms of right, faceoff percentage. And I, and At least Giroux a, is. And there was a difference between the end of the Montreal game where he stays out there when, you know, that's before we and we're going to get to that later too. Before Sean Couturier's news comes out and all right. that stuff, and it's like, okay, you're you're playing without people. Like it made sense. I get it. Like you're when you're playing without people like Couturier in the lineup, and you don't necessarily like Konechny doesn't take face-off during the game usually Not very fact, often. and, and Bill Farabee could could probably shift over to center in a moment's notice but he's not a face-off guy and definitely not and I and I'm and I'm sure that there's even an element of it like the perfect guy who I would think comes into play here is Morgan Frost right hey I don't know if Morgan Frost can win this key defensive zone face-off to get his possession so I'm putting the higher percentage guy out there and then Frost is going to jump on the ice immediately after. Right, because like, I want that, Morgan Frost on the ice in three on three. Because hello. he can do something. Exactly. And I don't. And I don't even know if I've seen him out there that much in three on three. Nope. Like it's pretty infrequent. Like there's parts of it that don't make sense. Speaking of this game, before we get to because it was in the Seattle game, before we get to the person who scored the winner in overtime and all that good stuff, uh, we should also bring this up as well because this happened right off the bat, like four minutes into the game. Welcome yes. back, Flyers. Claude Drew wasted no time moving into second all time. Yeah, so the the biggest 
probably production star of the game was JVR with the two goals, but the biggest I mean, story first... of the game coming out of it is is probably this one here, Claude. And, one it, it was, and it was the first goal of the game. So Drew setting up the first goal of the game. You really don't know that JVR is going to be like the offensive it, star right. yet. You don't it's, know he's going to pick still... up that second goal too. Right. I mean, for a while we didn't even know if there was going to be a second goal. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, but yeah, so Claude Drew is now the all or not all time. He is second, second all time. He has passed Bill Barber, and he is. But he's, he's now by himself in second place in games played, assists, and points. And the assist to pass Bill Barber for second all time in points just happened to coincide with another milestone. It was his 600th career assist. Is Claude Drew Claude is a top five flyer of all time? For sure. Okay. And I know he hasn't, and before people come out and go, he hasn't won anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to sit here and listen to this all the time. Then you have to name five bullies, and that's it. You can't mention Lindros. You can't mention anybody else. You can't mention Pronger. Not here. Well, and it's not even it's not even just that for me. It's You could sit there and name players who you think belong in it. Because let's put it this way. Brian Propp never won a Stanley Cup, but you meet people think he's a great flyer because right. of the fact that they like, you know. And he, they, they, did they did, make did a Did Mark cup Howe win a cup? No, but here's okay. the thing. But, but here's the thing. Did they have better players around them, better teams around them? Did they go further multiple times? Absolutely. They sure. Did. But that's the way it is. You, it's not Claude Giroux's fault that there's not a supporting cast for him. It's not Claude Giroux's fault that he was playing with Michael Roffel on his line for a whole season. Right. But, but, no but disrespect to Michael Roffel, but he'll tell you he's not a first-line player. But that's what bothers me is because there are people who literally cherry-pick on if he hasn't showed up for a game – like he's supposed to put up three points a game as if he was Gretzky. Like, stop. I know. Like, I, I like just. I'm not going to sit here and deny. And this is kind of lumping the whole three games together here because I, I was a little harsh in the group chat last night. I suppose because I was really telling it like it is because my thoughts haven't. I mean, I, look, I did it already on this show before, so I don't. I'm not going out on a limb. Right. I'm not trying to. Sit, I, I'm not going to look at the flip to the calendar year. I'm not going to look at seven games in a row with points. And act like this team's going anywhere. I just don't see it. Like, okay. Well, and I'm, it's because I'm looking at who they're playing now and who they're going to play. Right. And I sit there and I, I just look at, let's just say, Anaheim's a surprisingly good team so far this year. And the only thing that might come into play is I don't know if they're going to have everybody because they did have some big names going into protocol right. recently. Like, to be honest, it would be a absolute shame. If a if a Trevor Zegers is not able to play in this game because he's that good, I want to watch. I love him. watching him play. Yep. I'm glad it's not a home game because I'd be disappointed if I missed out on watching a guy play in person for the first time, who could be a superstar. And I don't think that's a stretch to say already. I think I'm not, that's fair. Yeah. Zegers has the potential. I mean, Zegers is already making headlines for what he's able to do skill wise. He that, has he has that electric potential for sure. He does, but he's and the cool part is is that he's not necessarily like I'm not saying he wasn't a top pick, but he wasn't a number one or two. No, he was know? like he wasn't a Matthews or a McDavid, but he's and he's not going to be in, in terms of point production, but he's got he's got a flair for the not not just a dramatic, but he's got a, he's got creativity, he's got he's entertaining, and. Let's he's going to be a lot of fun to well, watch. And here's the thing: he's certainly a hot topic because of the fact that. Some people don't think it's so entertaining. John Gibson has to be going, oh, thank God we have some future here. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean. Because he's not getting any younger. I think he's 27 or 28 at this point. And... For, what, for what it's worth, I don't think John Gibson's your starting goalie on Tuesday. 
I hope not. That'd be nice. No, I'll tell you why. Come on, you gotta know it's coming. What's Who's that? the backup in Anaheim? Oh, is it? Um. Oh God. Okay. So, which former fly? Oh, it's Stoli, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, give it's me Stoli. His game. You can't imagine that they won't, right? When the get, ducks, when the ducks get, come to Philly, does Stoli get a package? He won't, but he should. Um, I don't know about that because he didn't. No, because it's not this. Here's the problem. He was in Philly. He was more of a phantom than he was a flyer. He won't, but he should. I love so me some I, Stoli. He was always. He, I always liked him because he like too to deep, like to deal with it. Like he was a nice guy. And, he seemed like a really and, nice guy. And, and you know what? Here, here's the byproduct of that. Goalies take a long time, as we'll get into with the San Jose game a little bit too. Yep. Um, so goalies usually take a little bit of time. It's it feels like, it feels like Anthony Stolarz has found like his place where he can somewhat make it a little bit. He's having. You know he's having a huge run of success right now. Yeah, like, or, like not 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 groundbreaking. Like I'm not trying right. to make it, it. This isn't Jordan Bennington like taking over the world by storm here. But he's having like he's almost he's established himself. He belongs on an NHL roster. He is set up for success as an NHL backup for sure. For right and and that's for right now. I mean he he could very well earn a starting job if he gets an opportunity to play with some regularity. He's doing okay. Yeah, and the Sharks are in, or the Sharks the Ducks are in a great spot because. John Gibson is the kind of guy that's elite enough that if things are going well, you want him to play 60, 65 games because he's just that good. But Anthony Stolarz is playing well enough that he could steal 25 or 30 starts off him, and that just takes the workload off John Gibson, and that'll make him better. Let's, let, let, I'm pulling this up because this is this is really good to, to look at the progression. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to figure out – hold on one second. He's 27 now, so okay. go back. He was – I believe that would make him 22, making his debut. Oh, he goes back. He goes back six seasons now. I believe come, that. Like, okay, so seven games played. Are you trying four... to tell me that the Flyers might have rushed a goalie prospect a little bit? No way. That's never happened ever no, in the history because, of the team no, before. Because the, believe it, no, because the year that I'm looking at, um, that wasn't the. It wasn't the year of. 100 goalies. No, I think like. they were just rushing him because Steve Mason sucked. No, I think they had injuries this year because it was too limited of a number. Okay. Like I think they re- like if rushing a goalie to me would be hey the guy started twenty games that year. Why well, do you mean? They, oh, okay, that's fair. Stolar started four games and had seven games total because he probably popped in for, in in relief for three of them because they weren't a good team then either. Yeah, I believe uh, if I recall correctly, he came up down the stretch because someone got hurt and ended up right, well, having to play time just because there was nobody else. Bingo. And then and then to, to make matters even better, the next year he got a taste of this, and the next year didn't even come up, period. Yep. So it, that was that the year that he was hurt? That might be the year he missed the whole year with his knee. Oh, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. And then the next year he was trying to break through by that point. Um, by that well, point, 18, you no, start 18-19. having the other guys clogging up the well, system. Well, 18-19 was, in, was interesting because that was the year that in the middle of it they got Cam Talbot. Yeah, that was the year of 800 goalies. That was the year Peter Morozik was there. That came no, Morozik was, was earlier than that, but yeah. I thought that was that same season. Mike no, McKenna came way. in. The year that McKenna came in was also the year that Hart debuted, and they still had... Um, wasn't that all 18-19? Yeah, but 18-19 wasn't Morozik, I didn't think. Well, I thought so it Marazic was. Did... Okay. Maybe no, because 18-19 no, wasn't a playoff year. Morozik was there for a playoff year. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe it was the Cause following. Because they, they, they went for it, and I don't recall... Like they didn't drop out of the playoff race, 
but they were they like squeezed in late and by the end of it like Elliot was the better option in goal for a little while or they or they went between the two or something I forget but yeah. it doesn't matter um, bad. I'm looking so up back, Peter Morazic back, here real quick he, I think Morazic should have been 17 18 it was 17 18 it was the year prior God, 17 games. He had an 891 save percentage. Yeah, because remember the part where they traded for Cam Talbot and somehow or other Stolars played more games for the team that he yep. was traded to than Talbot Some did? Somehow stole, yeah. Somehow you lost that trade when Cam Talbot was like 18 months off of as an nomination. So let's, so, let's, so let's go into this for a minute. So in his, rook, in his so-called rookie season or when he gets first gets the call up, he made four starts, played seven games in 16-17, 207 goals against, 928 save percentage, good first impressions, all, all that type of stuff, right? Year two, 12 games, 10 starts, 4-3-3. Three, and three. Again, not horrible because three OT losses or shootout losses or whatever means you keep it a minute. 333 goals against, but a 902 save percentage, so you're... Your team is bad in front of you. And you're hovering around average with the save percentage. And then... He got traded to Edmonton, only started two games, played in, in six, lost both of the starts, 377 goals against, 897 save percentage. And that Oilers team was bad. They were falling apart. So, signs with Anaheim. He he literally only played in one game in the next season at, at the NHL level. He was a minor league goalie the rest of the way. And I think he put lost, up good numbers with the goals, right? Uh, I'd have to go look at okay, him. Okay, that's fine. Ones, but, uh, so that I don't one know if you were an elite prospect. No, that one that one start was a loss. Uh, he gave up two goals on thirty six shots. Not bad. No, that's 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 Can't a good complain. start. But, yeah. but listen to these then. Like, and he hasn't played a ton. I'm not trying to make it sound like he's played a ton. Right. But but eight games. Yeah, eight games last season. Seven starts. Four and three record. Two twenty goals against. Nine twenty six save percentage. Not bad for a backup. Stole the goalie, man. And then this year. Ten games, nine starts. His record is six, two, and one. Yeah, I don't want him to start on Tuesday. Two thirteen goals against and nine thirty two save percentage. He's starting his game. On you Tuesday. know he's throwing up a goose egg. Um, I won't go that far. I I, I will. You know how that works. Come on now. I think he thinks this team gave up on him. The guy does have two shutouts this year. I know, and I think he's got a vendetta because this team gave up on him. He battled a lot of injuries, and I don't know that he won't in the f- in the future either. But I mean, here's the thing: but right for now limited, he's playing good hockey. For limited action, thirty three starts, forty four games, a sixteen twelve and five record. When you're first coming up into the league, is not bad. Stoli for Vezina, and a two sixty three goals against. When collectively over your career, you're kind of going from rough stuff to building it, isn't bad either. A save percentage for his career is nine eighteen. That's by the way, Perfect. this is this is why we always go end up going an hour and forty minutes because we're talking about Anthony Stolarz's stats for. Well, they're gonna, well, they're going to play him this week. <laughs> no, sense. I know, but we still got two more games to talk well, cause, about. Okay, well, because here's no, because here's what I'm reflecting on, and this goes back to all the games collectively. Now you're going to play a team like we said; they're kind of a surprise team. Anaheim is so you're going to play them. They're tenth ranked in the league. You almost don't think that that's like where they are. Like there's times where you felt like they're better. There's times where you want to sit there and say, ah, they can't be in 10th. They're probably like 15th or whatever, like they're middle of the pack. No, they're actually a really good team. And we got, I, we got on this because of the fact that like w- with Zegris and it would be a shame if guys like that didn't play, you know, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is it a shame that guys who maximize their full potential may not play? 
no. from a flyer standpoint. I mean, if you want to keep clinging to the hey, the playoffs are still a possible. Like, you're they never got into a playoff spot over this last little stretch. They they were entered yesterday a point back right. of the last spot. Which if they would have extended the point streak, even they could have lost in overtime again or lost in a shootout, and they would have still technically held the playoff spot because of fewer games played than Detroit. Right. That being said, there are at least two teams behind them that can pass them without even trying. Like they have enough games in hand that it's not going to, it's not impossible. Right. The Boston Bruins have barely played. The Islanders have four fewer games played than the Flyers do and are six points back. So do the math. Not and to are mention still one... playing just a hefty amount of home games from here on out to make and up not, for their start of schedule. Uh, and not to mention the fact that they were supposed to play in Philly a month ago and didn't because of a COVID outbreak then. You, so you missed the so, opportunity. Well, so not only that, but it's like you have you still have multiple matchups with them. Yep. Where and they're better not, than they were two months ago because they started the season very poorly. And they're just continuing to get healthy. Yep, continuing to get better. Barry Trotz is still working his magic. Or can, at least. I still would trust him, too. And um, Man, and Barry Trotz, it's, his teams are always like a slow train. They start building, and they start rolling, they gather some momentum, and then by the time be, they hit the playoffs, they're just a steam engine. They do have a lot to make up in terms of anybody else. Like them on the playoffs, it's it's not going to feel like much. I'm going to tell you, if the Flyers have games in hand on Detroit, then the Islanders have a lot of games yeah. in hand on Detroit. Like honestly, if the Islanders can just keep pace with Boston, that's your battle right now. Probably, yeah. And but like the question becomes, can they get on some crazy roll to jump into? more of the standings than where you're you know where Pittsburgh and the Rangers and the Capitals and the Hurricanes are like the Hurricanes oh. are the best in the league that's going to be tough but like can you get to where the Rangers are can you get to where the Penguins are like if you're if you're that team like if you're specifically that team if you're not then like you're probably the last wild card and, and hey listen maybe they're that team that gets in and does make the run because they have the talent they didn't have a lot of players for a long period of time early in the year so it puts you behind the eight ball and we know they're better like we know that the islanders are better than that oh yeah as compared to others like you know like it's just the way it goes let's get to the uh let's move on from seattle oh by the way let's finish up the seattle game with the uh real quick with the uh provrov game winner which was just pretty pretty clutch exactly uh, i provrov loves scoring in overtime he does i look he, he as quickly as we can talk about that that game, he had an awful game in L.A. to kind of yeah. sandwich the whole thing. So he's had he's had moments, but he hasn't had a great year. Some of that, I'm sure, has to do with the fact that you know best laid plans didn't work out this year, basically. Because you're, I mean, how close are we? We're almost halfway through the year. At uh, this getting point. there, yeah, thirty they, something games played. It was thirty. You're thirty two games in, so it was almost halfway through the season at this point it's not too far off and he's played four games with his intended partner right it just is what it is i yeah and that's one of the things we've talked about a lot in the group chat and kind of off mic here is should the flyers tear it down and you seem to think the answer is yes i'm you know i'm a little more on the fence about it but i generally agree that it wouldn't be the worst thing the thing that I come back to is you don't have a reason not to kind of in a way, not, like not. Well, what, but here's you're the trying, thing. 
you're Comcast holding isn't going to because they're going to look at last season and say, well, it sucked because COVID restrictions. And they're going to look at this season and go, well, it sucked because Ryan Ellis wasn't healthy. And it's an excuse for Comcast to not allow Chuck Fletcher or whoever is the general manager at the time. Because if it's bad, I don't know if Chuck Fletcher survives the season. Uh, I don't know if they're going to allow them to tear it down and maximize assets and return and build it correctly. And okay, now you're on the right track because I I do think there's still going to be high turnover this year. I don't disagree with that. I think when you well, when you go out and get won- Rasmus Ristolainen, when you go out and get Keith Yandel, guys on one year deals, you right. set you yourself many, up for that. You have too many one year contracts, right. and you have too many guys who like like the next two months are going to be really interesting for. You know, I, I, look, Keith Yandel's had a rough go. I don't know if Keith Yandel has any value left in a trade. Keith Yandel point, but... should not get the opportunity to break the record. He should be benched tomorrow. No, but we like we know how this goes, yep. though. Like when you're you're a good locker room guy and you're a leader and you've been good when the, you've been good to the game for how long he's been good to the game. The game is good to you in return, and and pe- people give those guys the opportunity for stuff like that. To be honest, it's neither here nor there for me because. You know what? I there. I don't know that. Like, hey, let's say you throw you throw in Cam York for him. I don't know if it makes you any better or worse anyway. And you might as well take the results for what what it's worth because the results are what they are. I will take the Phantoms' fourth best defenseman over Keith Handel at this point. I hear you, but I'm like, what I'm getting. We already kind of do have the Phantoms' fourth best defenseman anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. He's the one who's playing opposite of him, so you know, whatever. Anyway, it like. To to me, I, look, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know that there's any way to avoid what's coming to an extent. Like, you're you're that close to you're that close to a playoff spot, and at the same time, you're that close to being right back where you were two weeks ago. Yep. Like, you go on one more extensive losing streak. And you're going to be right back down there. And I don't think there's coming that out of it this time. I'm sure everybody's going to be very surprised to hear this. The <laughs> Flyers are hovering somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I don't think they will. You don't think so? You think they go dynamic one way or the other? No, I think they. I don't think they're good enough to, to stay play in the, the middle. Team, not even play the teams they're going to play and come out of it with enough points to be there. Like I think the I don't, teams behind. Them, I don't I look disagree at, with you. But I've also seen how Carter Hart's playing this season, and I think Carter Hart's going to keep you in a lot of hockey games. Keep you in it is one thing. Winning games is another. Like, but, as we, but as we've seen, man, if this team can stay in a game, they can get a goal late, push things to overtime, start accumulating some points. Again, I'm not saying they should. I kind of agree with you on the rebuild thing. But I'm looking at it and thinking about how Comcast is looking at the Flyers as an asset and keeping them in the playoff conversation. It's going to be hard for Comcast to allow them to say, okay, trade Keith Yandel, trade Rasmus Ristolainen, and trade everything that's not nailed down. You know, this year's chalked. I don't see that happening as long as they're anywhere near anything. And, okay, I'm not disagreeing with that. That's the way that they operate. Right. I, I, I think that they're going to play, like, I look ahead and I see, okay, Anaheim, Pittsburgh, San Jose this upcoming week. We already lost to San Jose this week and didn't look good in the process. Anaheim and Pittsburgh are better than you, flat out. Fair enough. 
that could be a completely lost week. Maybe you get a point again out of play in San Jose. Right. But I think they lose to Anaheim. I think they lose to Pittsburgh. That's just me. And by the right. way, if you, if that already happens, it's a four-game losing streak already. Right. That's fair. And then you're so, gonna play. You, then you play San Jose. You go. All right. Maybe they get a point. Maybe two. Maybe they do. Maybe that's a game Carter Hart plays and you steal the win. Or actually, better yet, if Carter Hart's gonna play Anaheim and Pittsburgh, then you're gonna give Martin Jones San Jose like you wanted to. That's cute. And maybe and maybe he does steal that game. Right. Because he he probably comes in with some motivation. He had some good games leading up to L.A. Right. Yeah. Car- Martin Jones has generally been pretty decent this season. And that was his he, first start in a couple of weeks. But then let's follow it up. Carolina, Boston, Rangers. That's that's a, that's three straight losses to me. Yep. You're going to get demolished by those teams. if you Unless you are playing way better than we've seen this week, you're going to get demolished by those teams. And then to come back and have to play the Islanders first, which if, if the Islanders are at least modestly rested, you know, it's a road game. Good luck. Right. Detroit's not a pushover this year. I mean, they're they're not great, but they're not a pushover. They're not the bottom feeders. Columbus is going to probably have passed you by then. Probably. Buffalo, Buffalo might be hot on your heels if you're not winning games. Fair. Da- Dallas already demolished you this year. The Islanders again, also on the road again. And then you got to play LA and Winnipeg, which LA just took care of business against you, and Winnipeg's better than you. And yeah. that's going. And then that's the break, which your which your current break features rescheduled games against the Islanders, Capitals, and Penguins. Yeah, things don't look fantastic. <laughs> like and okay, things and look like, a little grim. Right. Well, and, and I'm not trying to say they're going to lose every single game. Some nights you're going to get the other teams worse too. Oh, right. But, Some nights Carter Hart's going to come out and make 42. But saves. I look at like like here's a perfect example. I look at the games. Look at this. Listen to this stretch coming out of what was supposed to be the Olympic break. Okay. okay. I'm skipping the first game back because it it was it's a road game in Detroit. They're probably both on the same wavelength at this point, right? Like Detroit's middle of the pack too. But then Washington, St. Louis, Edmonton, Minnesota, Chicago, Vegas, Florida, Carolina. There's one game in there that's... Is that that hard? To me, it's impossible. Yeah. First of all, you're going to play Edmonton on a back end of a back-to-back. McDavid might have six points that night. See, but here's the thing. Okay. I don't know... I don't know. Like it, it still comes back to the fact that we haven't seen the full lineup. We we've seen the full lineup, I think, once, maybe twice this season. All right. Well, I'm gonna, all right can I cl- let me click this really quick thing while we get? Yeah. It, because that's the reason why. So this is something we do have to mention, and we will get to this game <laughs> in San Jose eventually. Um, very no, very quickly. Right. But when you, you haven't seen Ryan Ryan Ellis all season, and I understand that that's you know something we've kind of talked about ad nauseum here, but Kevin Hayes has missed a bunch of time. Sean Couturier is now out week to week. Like we did, The team hasn't been healthy, so I don't necessarily know if it's fair to judge Chuck Fletcher, but then again, you just point out that Ryan Ellis is ancient and has a little bit of an injury history, and that's kind of Ryan Ellis. Ancient. I don't well, think he's ancient, though. Like He's 30. I know, but I just mean given the contract situation and the fact that he is a little bit hurt and he's got a lot of hard miles on him. He does. No, he does. He's got a lot of hard miles on him. Um, but it's it's just a really tough spot because I could easily see Sean Couturier comes back, Ryan Ellis gets healthy. I could see the team being decent to even okay at that point. It just at that point, is it too late to climb back in it? And if it is... 
can we reconcile with that fact and make the trades we need to make? So here's 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 my take on this. They may they may very well get all those players back, and that's fine. Right. Uh, it's probably too late at that point because it'll be February. Might, well, right. like, for Ellis, it'll be February. For Couturier, it might be February. We just really don't know what week we don't to know week. anything about. Let's Couturier. Just say, week, week to week, two weeks ago, for Kevin Hayes was ten days. Right. And he was back. Like, and he's week, not week any, to week for Ryan Ellis has been since October. <laughs> Well, it's been yeah, week exactly. to week since October. So, like, here, here's my thing: you can already see that Kevin Hayes right now is a shell of himself. He's Fair. not completely he's not completely healthy. He's trying to battle through. It wasn't until a week ago, roughly, that Chuck Fletcher did actually say Sean Couturier has been dealing with some things all year. Like, cool. And at least it was an admission. It was yeah. a re- revelation that what we think like. If he's not playing well, everybody goes. He's got to be hurt. He's got to be hurt. He can't be like he. He's too good to not right. Which is exactly what it is, though. And I think that when he comes back from whatever he's dealing with, he will also probably be kind of a shell of himself down the stretch. Maybe and El- and probably the same thing with Ellis. Like, like you want everybody to be healthy, and they're going to have names in the lineup, and that's all well and good. And then, oh by the way, in the meantime, if you don't run the others into the ground for being. They're leaning on him so heavy. Right. On like, like, listen, all due respect, because we already talked about him extensively in the show. All due respect to Claude Giroux. Yep. But he's not a spring chicken anymore either. No. Like, you can't lean on this guy every single night and expect him to be your best player constantly. And they no. do. They just do. I mean, he, I'm, he's I don't not going to put up 102 points, including, you know, a hat no, trick against not. the Rangers on the last day of the season to get you in the playoffs. He's just not going to do that every year. He can't. Nobody can. He's, he's not, but at the same time, well, Connor McDavid tell, can. <laughs> but you, you tell me how many players at thirty-three who aren't that level player are still putting up twenty-nine points in thirty-three games. Very 33. few. No, Claude Giroux like, has had an incredible like, season. He's still that quality player. Imagine what happens when he, if if slash when he does go to another team, and isn't the number one guy. He's he's going to be a fantastic line mate for Taylor Hall. I'm telling you. Like, I don't know how much, look, I, I don't want to sit here and act, act like I don't know how, like, I know Coyle, how many years. Coil Hall Giroux is coming. I don't know if that, I don't, I don't think it's Boston, but. Man. I don't think Boston can afford him, to be honest. How about, uh, Nylander Tavares Giroux? Holy crap. Holy crap. And that's the second line. I mean, look, here's the, the like I, like I've said, the good part, the good part with Giroux is that you, you're going to get to honor him in such a way before you ever make this decision because you do have a lot of games ahead before the deadline hits. The deadline's not until March this year. Like, it's late. It's late. Well, and it's because of the fact that you have a full month of April this time. It's not a week of April. So you have, you know, all that type of stuff. Anyway, he's going to get – he needs 25 more games, and he's at 1,000. And he's going to do that for sure, right? And he's going to do that, and he's and he's going to do it in, in a Flyers uniform more than likely. Hopefully, like there's enough. No, there's enough. They won't make that move until desperation time kicks in. I know, but he's also, you know, he hasn't missed a ton of games recently. But he's not the youngest, and knock on wood, and you know. Well, sure. Like you, bar barring injury or illness, he will play his thousandth game with the Flyers, right. and that's, that's what I'm worried right. about. <laughs> He's also because like let's just say he had two assists in the game on in the game last night against LA. Yep. 
he needs 13 points to get to 900. He's, he's going to get to 900 with the Flyers. As long as he plays the 25 games of the Flyers, he'll get the 13 points. Right. Like, so you're going to have a guy who played his to that to that point his entire career in this, with the same team, a thousand games, 900 points. I don't know. Last time I checked, 0.9 points per game is pretty darn good. It's real good. You know, I understand it's not point per game completely, but it's pretty darn good. All right. So he didn't score on Thursday night against the San Jose Sharks, but I think it is finally time to start talking about that game. No, it is, because I think the guy we need to talk about is actually the goaltender. Felix Sandstrom made his NHL debut. I don't want to jump the gun on Felix Sandstrom. He looked fantastic. He did look really good. I don't want to jump the gun on this, but this is something to consider. I'm not going to sit here. Like, this did go through my mind a little bit. Martin Jones is one of those one-year contract guys. I think the idea is for Felix Sandstrom to... No, but if you get down the stretch and he gets enough games potentially that you see what you have on a consistent level. Like, he played well in a game where he got peppered with shots from... It's not the best team in the world, but it's also not, you know, completely a pushover. No, like the I'm San Jose not, Sharks have been decent this year. They've been solid. They're in the middle They're in the middle pack, too, basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, compared to last season for them, is a major step up. And Eric Carlson looks really good this year. Same with Brent I thought, Burns. I was, was going to say, I thought Burns looked way better this time around. This I mean, time looked, around specifically, yes, but just in general. Um, I mean, here's the fair, in fairness, the Sharks are actually like more legitimate of a possibility for a playoff spot than others. It's probably like, better playoff chances than the Flyers. They're two points out of a playoff spot. LA's right there. Edmonton's right there. Um, San Jose's in the Pacific, so Calgary's... Te- well, Calgary's got a ton of games to make up, so does Colorado. So, it's... Take the three teams I just mentioned, San Jose, L.A., Edmonton. Throw Winnipeg in there again, too. Or throw Winnipeg's in there. Throw Vancouver in there again. After all that craziness, throw Vancouver in there again because, yes, when Bruce, you go... Bruce, there it is. Well, when you go 8-0-1 in the first nine games with your new coach... Now that's how you replace your head coach. Yeah, but they have talent. We knew I know. that. Like, like Pedersen's a really great player. Hughes is good. Like... Remember when we thought Travis Konechny was like our version of Brock Besser? Okay, now I'm jumping to the set, to, to the L.A. game for a minute because no, no, because that really bothered me. Like, by the way, I I noted this in my takeaways because I don't know if it was out there much. He took that 10 minute misconduct and got one shift for 19 seconds for the rest of the game. He was strapped to the bench after that. Which, you know what? You got to know better. Like yeah. he had to know better there. Yeah, whatever you a, did, a, you clearly pushed it too far. Like you know where the line is, and you gotta. You gotta not do that. Well, and, and what did we just? What was one of the things we just said about where we are in the season? Yeah, you know, we're getting closer to the halfway point, which is, for lack of a better term, it's an easy point to make general projections because you you can easily do you x just, times two. Right, you just double the numbers and go, what's he on pace for? Well, I see a guy with five goals on the season right now at thirty-two games in. Man, you know. Not that's not good enough. You're exactly. making big boy money now. That's not good enough. And I know that. Look, I know that there's people out there that want to look at Joel Farabee a little bit in the same way. And I and love go, me some Joel Farabee. And, and go, listen, you just got you just got a big ticket now too, which means and it's it didn't kick in yet, but your ticket's coming. And you got to make the room gotta, somewhere. But not not make room. But it's you you got, you got your big ticket now. You got to deliver like one of the big guys too. But he's had like. To go on a stretch like he's on right now, where you score six goals in eight games, that is delivering. Yeah, yep. he had a he had a rough month and a half with, you know, okay, 
no goals or one goal in 14 games and it was his only point. I get it. But they could score, period, during that stretch. Like, it wasn't just him. The whole team was awful. Right. Like, they've come back to an extent where, you know what? Scoring's been hard to come by. You're getting a lot of these three, you know, threes and twos again kind of in recent games. Farabee's scoring regularly. Starting to see performance out of Joel Farabee kind of like we saw last year where he was, in a lot of games, he was the only forward who cared. He's one of the only guys who's moving every single shift. He's he is 100% the whole game. It doesn't matter how bad the team is around him. The thing that I noticed most about all of these games collectively, you can either there's ways to like you don't have to be the fastest team to win. Right. You can accommodate leg speed with puck speed. If you move the puck quickly, you're making up for the fact that you're not moving as quickly by yourself as an individual. You can move up the ice quickly and still attack with some speed. They don't have either. No. Like, they move painfully slow skating-wise. Except and Cam then Atkinson. They don't... He's quick. Yeah, but see, my problem with singling guys out is they don't play the whole game. Like, I know. You need to have, like, I'm sorry. I, I can't listen to another break in the action where the video package, that the highlight package that comes on the TV is how Zach McEwen and Patrick Brown had a good energy shift. Yeah, I they, can't listen to that. They can't be your best players. Like, I'm tired of hearing that stuff. And I'm not trying to, like, I know that by leaving out, like, like people take this as an opportunity because you don't mention Claude Giroux to jump in on him. It's like, he's also one player, too, just like Cam Atkinson is right. or Joel Farabee is. Like, actually, last night, they were all on the same line together at one point in time. So, great, they're all on the same line together. But that means that for the next, like, the fourth line can't score. They might have high energy, but they can't score. So, you can take the minute that you put McEwen, Brown, and... Kate's out there, and you or can, that or minute will be in the offensive zone. That's fine, but they're not going to get any scoring chances. Right. You know what you're actually seeing from the fourth line that's actually okay. They're not a defense. I'm not saying not the defensive liability, but you're not getting the Nate Thompson they're stuck not in your own zone. In their own zone for two minutes and fifteen seconds, like right, we've seen. Right. So you're not getting that, but you are getting nothing productive. Like you're not getting any offense. If they had one guy on that line, and I'm not talking about Oscar Lindblom who could actually do something with the puck, like, you might actually get something. Like, it, it, they had a, there was a play in the game against L.A. You're down by two goals. You're making a little bit of a push because you're feeling it a little bit. And it's a big-time scramble around the net. And if anybody on the ice can put that puck in, it's a one-goal game with, it's like, 12 minutes. It's a whole new ball And game. you've got something going. Yep. Uh, but... Back to back to San Jose here. We will get to LA in just a second because so, I do okay. want to talk about some of the strategy decisions that led to that mini comeback there. Um, but but back to, to back to San Jose for a second. And and Santrum, I guess, because we're we're really on him right now. Yeah, but can we talk about the fact that the Flyers lost this game because Keith Yandel sucks? Because a, that's fine. Not, you don't have not, to say it. You're you're on the team. If you don't want to say that, that's fine. I. I certainly uh, no, I have my, uh, no, I have my way of saying it. My, my, wor my wording was it's hard to justify keeping him I'll alive. just come out and say it. He sucks. Not only I, do you I, cough I, the puck I, up at the blue line on the power play, you then get absolutely walked by Logan Couture. He gets absolutely walked by Logan Couture, who's not exactly the most high-skill player. Like, Logan Couture is very good. Don't get me wrong. He's an above-average player in the league, you know, borderline elite. He's not Connor McDavid. He's not one of these guys who you go, yeah, okay, fine. That guy does that sometimes. No, you got embarrassed. If that was a forward, I'd be like, wow, that was a poor effort. Because, But you're a forward, so I guess I get it. That's a defenseman. 
That's a defenseman with the Iron Man streak. Okay, okay. So here's here's okay. My here was my one problem with it, like because you're not wrong completely about some some things. No, but I, no. Here's here. No, people were blaming. Like people were sitting there going, "Oh, that was kind of a rough goal for Sandstrom or whatever." And I'm like, "No, like, no, like no." But hold on. No, well, no. I, I get like I get where they're trying to come from because he beats him five hole. I'm like. It's Logan Couture, though. He was a, he was an all-star. Yeah, no, like, he's certainly very good. And like, I, if I like said if, anything, you if know. If you give the guy a breakaway, I'm pretty sure he knows how to finish. You know, like, I'm not worried about the goal that's, like. Yeah. If he, Felix Sandstrom's first save in the game was a partial breakaway. Like, right. you can't exactly expect a guy to face multiple odd man situations, including in overtime with a guy like Hurdle on the ice, and not get beat a couple times. Right. It's just going to happen. It, that whole sequence was embarrassing. Embarrassing. That is the that is such a good word for it. First of all, what's embarrassing about it is you are in a spot where you're leading the game one nothing. You haven't played your best, and now you're on a power play where you could go up two nothing, and kind of really put a stamp on this game. You could take control, and you don't. You give up the goal then. Then for the rest of the power play, you still have. You still can't get out of your own way awful. to the point where they almost scored another shorthanded goal and then did score. Basically, as their own guy was coming out of the box, <sighs> Brent Brent Burns walking down Broad Street. I know. By the way. I just absolutely all by himself. Um, turns out he used to be a forward. He knows how to do that. <laughs> which, which and it's, here's the thing. It's funny because we've talked like we just talked about Joel Farabee briefly. Like the goal he scores is absolutely clutch. Like the goal he scores right there. I sit there and go, "There's the guy who deserved the goal. Look at him. Look at him skate out there every shift. He's excellent." He's moving his feet. He's trying really hard. And when he scores a goal like that, I sit there and I go, "It's why for the entire duration of this, we've been we've been on this for, at this for a month now. With where is it going? Is there going to be a big change made? Was there going to be a coaching change? It did happen. All that stuff, right? Right. Joel Farabee's the one guy who I keep coming back to, and I go, "You build around this kid. Uh, you have he's to. 20, he is twenty-one years old. He's got thirty goals in his last eighty games. You build around this kid." In my head right now, thinking about this Flyers team. The only true untouchables, Joel Farabee and Carter Hart. And and maybe Couturier from a leadership standpoint. I know you're shaking your head, but. <sighs> okay, so this is not a negative on Sean Couturier in any way, shape, form, you, or fashion. Are you say I love really? Sean Couturier. Joel Farabee's been a leader on this team. We We talked about it a couple of minutes ago. He was the only forward that carried last year. On the ice, where it matters, he's a leader for this team already. Oh, he'll he'll wear a letter at some point. And I don't, I, I don't doubt those things. And if you're going true rebuild, if you're okay with being bad for a couple of years, I don't want to move Sean Couturier. I like him a lot. He's he's probably not my favorite flyer, but he's up there for sure. I would move him for the right. I would move him for um, if a team misses the playoffs and jumps from 11 to 2 in the draft, I would trade him for, like, the second overall pick. You know what I mean? Like, you're trading him for real value. But, like, if a team like Chicago wants to go for it next year or Montreal if they want to get a center, if Montreal gets the second overall pick and offers it to you for Sean Couturier, are you saying no for it? I don't know. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like also, that's kind of what I'm looking at. I, I'd be willing to move Sean Couturier. We're also talking about the only other guy who signed a big ticket for long term here. I understand. 
I mean, if you go down the look, go down the list of every player who's locked up. I mean, the only other guys who are locked up this long at this point who probably can't be moved. I mean, Ellis is a tough sell because you just brought him in and, and he's got all that time left. Yeah. But I don't look, I don't hate that because Ellis is the type of guy that as long as he's healthy, he can nurture younger defensemen. He can be a, he can fine. be a mentor. Right. Um, it's, there's enough guys that are like defensively. The only two guys, I, I, not two guys, but like it's pro Rob Ellis, Sanheim. Sanheim's only got a year left beyond this year anyway, which I tread lightly. Like I don't, here's the thing. Travis Sanheim think, is movable. Oh, he's movable. I think that he's better than people get like, give him credit for I agree I just don't want to I don't want to veer into the territory of overpaying him is the problem like it's why I it's why I have a love-hate relationship with like what I would do with his future because okay I I can justify keeping him he's got a good skill set but I also don't know if I want to pay him let's just call it Ivan Provorov money well here's the thing if you're a good team Travis Sanheim is ideally probably what your fourth defenseman. And a three four. He's he's on the second pairing. Like I is that I really, guy I, is that guy worth keeping through a through a rebuild through a teardown? That's what I'm saying. Do. Like if if, that's this, if they, but that's if they do that. Well, all right, all right. We don't have time to do the rebuild discussion today. Maybe uh maybe on next week's show. Let's talk about this LA game real quick before we get out of here. You because you, you really want to get into the move that was that Mike Yo made. I do. Because I'm a gutsy as hell. I'm a big fan of this, and we've heard we've heard some crazy stories about uh, goalie pulls. Uh, who is <laughs> it doing it in Europe? It's a it's a former NHL player, I believe, um, coaching in I believe the German league, and he's pulling his oh, goalie in if, overtime. If it's if it's in the German league, it's got to be. Um, is it Marco Sturm? No, no. Um, I, it might be a different league. I might. I'm not sure. But he's no. But that's the only German coach I could think of. Was he's like, pulling his goalie in overtime. His team gets possession. Their overtime is three on three, and he's pulling his goalie. And he's won twice with it already this season. And I, I don't remember who it is. There's there's a rule uh, though, isn't there? Isn't there isn't there a rule that in, it, there's a rule like either in the NHL or in some of the professional leagues, maybe in North America, that if you got scored on by pulling your goalie, you you forfeit the loser point. I maybe. I, they do have that rule, I believe. Uh, he's willing to do it because four on three is just such a massive advantage. Um, he just tells his team, you know, play super conservatively, keep possession of the puck. Come on. Okay, I should have known who it was. I did read this. You know who the coach is? Yeah, who is it? Sergei Fedorov. It's Sergei Fedorov, right. Not the German League. Sergei Fedorov. No, it's a, um, it's KHL, I believe, right? right? Is it, is he's coaching in the KHL, right? Uh, something like that. I don't recognize... I don't. Yeah, see, he is. Yeah, it is a KHL team. I knew, I knew it was. A, I knew it was a Russian name. Obviously, I'm not crazy. It's There's like, a couple leagues in Russia, though, so it's not the end of the world. So the right. move I'm talking about, by the way, is uh, third period. The Flyers were down uh, four, yeah, four, 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 one, four, one. four one, and the Kings take a couple of penalties back to back, and the Flyers are going to end up with a five on three. So the Flyers win the draw, and the first thing Mike Yo does. Eight, 17 and a half minutes left in the period is he gets his goalie to the bench. Sorry. He called a timeout as they were going on the five on three and drew this up. Mike Yo gets absolute complete credit. He did this consciously. He drew this up. I imagine NBA style, like on the whiteboard. Um, so the Flyers win the draw to take possession on the five on three. And the first thing Mike Yo does is 
gets Martin Jones. Martin Jones skates to the bench. Kevin Hayes jumps on. And Kevin Hayes jumps on the ice, skates directly to the back door. Bang. Goal. So for a minute there, the Flyers had a six on three. And we're talking with 17 plus minutes left in the game. And you're down three goals. And that's Mike Yo saw an opportunity to get the game within two, within shouting distance. And they scored quickly enough that they gave themselves like a minute 40 on the second power play. They didn't do anything with it because they suck. But the call was correct in making the aggressive gamble. I, I love, love the aggressive gamble out of Mike Yo. Yeah, you know why? Because what do you have to lose in a 4-1 game already? Nothing. In fact, if, if they score, just tell Martin Jones to stay. Ah, it's all right. We'll send the kid in. And and Felix Anstrom goes out there in the 5-1 game yeah, for the could, last 10 you, minutes. You could have, honestly. You I mean, probably would have. Martin Jones came off the ice and was like, all right, I'm going to the shower. Let me know if we score was, or not. There was an element, to be honest. There was an element of me that was a little tiny bit surprised. Like, it's a small percentage. That he stayed in? That he stayed in after the second period because the fourth goal was pretty rough. I kind of exp- – oh, well, the first goal was rough too. Martin the Jones first, did not yeah, have a great night. Yeah, but see, here's here's my problem with the first and the second. That's just execution behind the net. you got to be able to pick up guys. Like, I, like th- this is where I was at with, like, like, like I said, I think there, there's something about Ivan Provorov's game against L.A., that made me think his head just wasn't there this night. Like, and I it does if, happen sometimes. I'm not trying to make it. I wonder if the Kings still just know Jones pretty well because he was the Sharks goalie for so long. A lot of those guys have played Martin Jones a lot. Well, he, was with, he was with L.A. too for a little while, and I'm sure well, that... Well, not no, a ton I'm, of guys who are still there from that era. Uh, it, no, it, in, enough, though, because Dowdy knows and Kopitar knows. And, That's fair. And Dustin Brown didn't play, but he knows. Like, you know... Dustin Brown would have played, by the way. He he's COVID too, so yeah. he would have he would have played. I'm not trying to make it like he wouldn't have. Uh, but overall, just, you kind of just it was mostly just a poor effort against the Kings. I think like you just didn't. You look like a tired it, team playing your third game in four nights. And, but it never makes any sense though because you like you play you play rough the, to start it. You play rough to end it. It's not like like I I kind of la- like I laugh every time they go to like. These games you're stuck watching. Obviously, I'm watching from home. I'm I have the TV broadcast on. They every time they go to the studio, it's like they don't know what to say. Like, Tyrant, how do we, how, yep, they're in there. Like, yep, they're losing again. No, back, it, back to you, Jim. I'm not even talking. I I know where you're going. Like, right. I'm not even talking about Tyron Hatcher in that sense. I'm talking right. about like Al Morgani standing there. He's been doing this for how many years? And he almost looks like he doesn't He's know like, what I don't, to say about it. Like, I got nothing for you. The man like, talks for a living. Right. And this team has him speechless. But the, the man's talk, not just talks for a living, but talks for a living, has done it for the likes of ESPN, has written, uh, you know, does, goes on the radio every morning. Talks like, about he, hockey for a living a right. lot of the time. Talks about the Flyers for a living. It's just crazy. It's It's bad. We don't know where this team's going, but uh, we do know where we're going. <laughs> and that is we're going about our day, but we will return next week. Uh, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it. What do you say, Kevin? No, that is a good place to wrap it. All right. Sounds good. So uh, we'll be back next week, like I said. And you can find the show basically where you found this one. We are on YouTube. Make sure to check us out over there. 
we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Uh, you know, we're all over the place. SportstalkPhilly.com. Make sure to follow them over there. And uh, follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin underscore Durso. Follow the show at YWT Podcast. Make sure to follow at Sports Talk PHL and at Flyer Delphia. And uh, we'll be back next week. You know, we, we took our holiday break next week and or last week and we're back to our weekly schedule for at least the near the near future. And Kevin, anything else or nah, nothing really for me. All right. Sounds good. So uh, we'll see you later.